This is uh, Pitchcock Theory 3, Unit 2, Part 1, Section L. Let's talk about asystole. So, uh, pretty easy rhythm to interpret. There's uh, no rate, no P waves, no PR, no QRS, no ratio, no rhythm. Um, when the US was at war with Iraq, Saddam Hussein described the war as the mother of all wars. And when I heard that, I thought, asystole is a mother of all bradycardias. I thought that's just like the perfect um, analogy. And um, you might be wondering why the mother of all bradycardias. Um, the mother of all bradycardias is because there's some evidence that asystole, uh, one of the contributing causes of asystole may be excessive vagal stimulation. And so up until maybe 10 years ago, for asystolic cardiac arrest, we were actually giving epinephrine and atropine. We were giving atropine to eliminate any vagal tone, but uh, uh, which sounds like the intuitive thing to do, right? If, if asystole might be caused by excessive vagal tone, let's just eliminate vagal tone, right? So we give atropine to bradycardic patients to eliminate uh, parasympathetic tone and allow the sympathetic nervous system to dominate that it works for those and if um, vagal stimulation is a component of asystole let's give atropine but the evidence didn't show any benefit to atropine in asystolic arrest so we don't give it anymore we just give epi which is like giving them a sympathetic kick in the ass anyway right so so um, asystole Bottom line, no pun intended, the bo bottom line, the bottom flat line uh, is that asystole has a poor prognosis. It's usually an indicator of irreversible death. And uh, uh, chances are when you see a patient who's asystolic, it's probably an unwitnessed cardiac arrest where CPR has not been done. And they may have been arrest, they've been in arrest probably at least in excess of 15 minutes, but some patients can go straight into asystole. So it can be a fresh arrest. And um, if they're not code five, we're gonna resuscitate them in the same manner with the same aggressive approach as we would any other potentially viable cardiac arrest. And I have had asystolic arrests we've resuscitated where uh, we started CPR, we got a line in, we gave epinephrine, the rhythm converted from asystole to a shock of rhythm, we shocked and we got a pulse back. I had one, the most dramatic one was an elderly lady who had terminal cancer and um, but she had no written DNR at home. And at that time, if they didn't have a written DNR, we, we had to resuscitate. And uh, now, uh, if they don't have a written DNR, you just call the base hospital doc and say the family doesn't have a written R, but they're telling us that um, she has a DNR and we're calling for permission to terminate resuscitation. But back then, we didn't have that. So, so I had to, uh, we had this lady, she was elderly, she was living with her daughter, and she was asystolic, and um, we, um, fire crew had arrived and they initiated CPR. We, uh, we got a line, I gave her epinephrine and I was calling to um, get an or order to terminate resuscitation and while the phone was ringing, someone said the, the, rhythms, in, uh, the rhythms changed to VF, Rob, do you want me to shock? And I said, yeah, go ahead and deliver a shock. They delivered a shock, we got a pulse back and she woke up. Very unusual. So yeah, she woke up. That's what happens. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. 
uh, not often. Oftentimes they remain unconscious for some time, but, uh, but sometimes people wake up. They wake up sometimes screaming. Um, so it just depends on how fresh the rest is. But anyway, she woke up and we took her to the hospital and um, she re-arrested about two hours later and they pronounced her. So, uh, which is interesting from a purely egocentric standpoint because um, if, if she was awake and neurologically intact and they discharged her from the hospital, that would have counted as a resuscitation on my part. Uh, but because she re-arrested and she was never discharged from the hospital neurologically intact, it didn't count as a quote-unquote save. So I didn't get a save certificate for her. Because it's all about me. It's not about <laughs> the patient. <laughs> so uh, so uh, the definition of a save, if we haven't talked about this before, is not a return to spontaneous circulation. You've got to get a pulse back, and they've got to be discharged home neurologically intact. Um, uh, they use the Upstein criteria. So it's got to they've got to have a cerebral uh, performance category one or two. They've got to be close to, neurologically, they've got to be close to their pre-arrest function level uh, to be considered a save, which is interesting, eh? Because really, a save, like a save using that criteria, is nothing to do with your skills. It's everything to do with how quickly you get there, how soon after the arrest, and how quickly you get there is out of your control. You can only drive so fast and you can only, it, it all depends on how quickly 911 was called and whether bystander CPR was done. Now bystander CPR actually triples survival. So uh, if anyone says, you know, should I take a CPR class? The answer is yes, 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 yes. Please take a CPR class. What if I forget it? Doesn't matter, just remember to compress the chest quick and deep and don't stop. You know, if you think they're dead. Now, if they wake up saying, what the hell are you doing? Then stop compressions. But <laughs> if, if you can do compressions on them and they're not responding, then keep doing compressions. So we need bystanders to do CPR. We have a, I, I don't know what the capture rate is in Ontario, but I don't think it's very good. I don't think the number of people trained in CPR is all that high. In uh, Seattle, it's very high. Their success rate for uh, cardiac arrest is extraordinarily high. In Seattle, you just need to bend over to tie your shoes and someone's doing compressions on you. <laughs> so asystole, generally poor prognosis. The, the only other thing I want to say about asystole, it's never a pristine flat line, right? Um, if it's a pristine flat line, there's something wrong with your monitor. Now the newer monitors, if, if a lead's disconnected or not connected properly, it will not give you a pristine flat line, which is really good. It'll give you a dotted line. So dotted line means your defib pads are not connected properly. Maybe you need to disconnect them and reconnect them if it's not a proper connection. Um, so a perfect flat line would not be normal in a dead person. In fact, um, go to the nearest cemetery, dig someone up who was buried three days ago, put them on the heart monitor, they'll still have a, an uneven baseline like this. Right? They won't have a perfectly flat baseline. It'll look just like this. Because there's still cellular activity going on, you know, have you heard about the body farm? Yeah. So there's a body farm, right, where they, where they study uh, um, human cadavers and how they decompose and how they change. Uh, and they've got uh, bodies laying out in the field in different places and exposed to different temperatures. 
And so they, it's, a, it's a place to study forensics, right? And uh, what's creepy about body farms, talking about you know, continuous cellular activity that happens in the body, if you lay a body flat on its back, a dead body out in the field, over the course of the next few weeks, it'll move. It may even curl to its side. It may move its <laughs> arms, its legs. Yeah, yeah, it's very creepy, yeah. So I don't know if you can Google body farms to see uh, more about it, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 